on the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry. I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. Welcome to the Left Wing Live. When Ireland have won their first trophy on home soil in 18 years, they beat Scotland 26 points to 5 here at the Viva Stadium to win the Triple Crown. When Rory O'Connor and Keane Tracy are also here at the Viva Stadium. Now, we're recording this before the France-England finale in Paris. Overall, Rory, a trophy won at home, of course. Uh, we had lovely scenes out there. The players walking around with their families and their kids. And look, who knows what may come later, but a nice way to finish the Six Nations. Yeah, absolutely, Sinead. I mean, we can talk, talk about the performance and all that stuff a little bit later, but there's an achievement here. This team has gone and beaten, you know, Scotland, Wales and England in one season. That, in the modern era, is a pretty uh, notable achievement. They're all good teams. Yes, you know, today, they put Scotland away in the end. It took them a good long time, but um, overall, over the course of the tournament, they deserve this. And they've, they've played some very good rugby along the way, and, they, you know, they've put a lot of effort in. They've you know, improved and improved and improved, and now they've got the reward out there in the Indian Stadium pitch. Uh, yeah, it's all like it was sort of maybe a bit indicative of the Six Nations overall. I don't really think we got a full, complete 80-minute performance from Ireland, but they still end up winning a triple crown, and they could end up winning a Six Nations title, depending on what happens later. So um, I think they'll be frustrated. I think there was issues again around the scrum. Um, I'm like a broken record uh, flagging my concerns around the scrum and the, the pop deck. I think we saw that again, and you wouldn't really say that Scotland's scrum, scrum is a, a fearsome outfit. So I think in terms of like, you know, when you're coming up against the teams like South Africa and we saw what happened against England, you know, uh, I think that is a concern. But like you said, Sinead, to be in with a chance of winning the Six Nations title without probably having played to their full capacity, I would say... Um, one of the, the Aviva Stadium is going to remain open for supporters, so there could be, there could be a, bit, a bit of crack in here later on. But I think one of the most pleasing aspects of the performance, Sinead, was the fact that Ireland are capable of mixing it now both ways. We've seen, we've seen them being able to make the flashy stuff in their attack. But I think when they come up against teams like Scotland, who they know they can bully, who they know they can get the better of up front, I, I don't think they've got a problem in, in taking the game to them. We saw that, like the amount of close-range tries that they got. So I think that's encouraging going forward as well, that the tack is moving in a really good direction. But I think they're picking and choosing when to take teams on up front, whereas in the past, I think they were guilty of trying to take on 
the bigger teams and we've spoken about it so often in the past about how they've come up short the physicality's sake so definitely pleasing and encouraging overall but I think that there is still a lot yeah, to work Rory, on I mean Six Nations obviously brings a different kind of pressure but did Ireland live up to that promise in terms of cohesion and style of play overall looking back in the Six Nations I certainly don't think they ever hit the heights of November I think they they really um, you know they flattered to deceive at times and yet they kept getting results they got four bonus three wins across five games and they stayed in the fight very well in Paris and um, I think Andy Farrell like will point to those things when he's talking about it, but internally they will you will hope that they're looking at that and going, This probably isn't going to be good enough if they want to kick on to the next level. You know they, I think losing Andrew Porter and, and uh, Ronan Kelleher has been a big blow and the, the foot low depth has been exposed massively as a result. Um, and we're seeing that the next level down just isn't as good. And when you don't have the security of that foot row winning collisions, winning the set piece, things go a little bit awry and I didn't think your attack was as cohesive today as it was earlier in the tournament. I don't think this is impressive. I think Scotland caused them a lot of problems. You see their counter-ruck being exposed, or sorry, their rucking being exposed by a counter-ruck for the third time in four games. England probably would have gone after that as well if uh, they had 15 men on the pitch for 80 minutes. Like, it's an achievement. It's a, it's a good win, and you don't want to be too churlish. And you don't want to be you know, picking holes at it all the time. But this is a team that aspires to great things in France next year. And if they want to win the World Cup in France or they want to get past the quarterfinals, they've got to be honing in on these areas which their opponents will be. And, you know, if they win the title, that's brilliant. It's the first, you know, the first time in, since uh, 2018. And it's a, 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 like they are the second best team in the tournament, certainly. You know, they've, they've been impressive for that regard. But, you know, Wales, England, Scotland will all be pretty annoyed about how their tournaments went. So, um, beating them isn't that impressive in some ways, you know. So, look, they'll reflect pretty positively on it, but they have a lot to grow. There's a lot of things to fix. And there's a few things like the front row depth that I don't know if they have the tools to fix them if they have injuries. I think the, the, the point about the counter-rocking is very interesting, Rod. Um, you know, I've certainly been one that's really praised Ireland's speed of ball around the rock, but it seems like maybe they need to find a better balance, you think, in terms of avoiding being counter up Because like you said, we saw we saw Italy do it as well. And, you know, you, you mentioned it there. If the, if the bigger teams, the better teams are looking at that, I think it's a bit of an issue because clearly Ireland have put a massive focus on the speed of rock. And it's been the results have spoken for themselves and how they've been allowed to play off that. But I think they'll be conscious of finding a better balance, Sinead, around that because the, the counter up like Rod said, led to Scotland's try. And if that game ended up being closer, that's a very, very costly mistake. So I think they probably need to tighten up a bit around there as well. I'd agree with that. What about the scrum you were saying, Keen, as well? That still remains an issue? Yeah, like it was funny because at the start, um, it, it was really good. And you had Wayne Barnes telling Keen Healy, great scrummaging, uh, lovely stuff. It, like, I don't know if, if people at home, could, if, if Wayne Barnes came across as well as he did here, but it was like the Wayne Barnes show at times. Like, geez, it was, uh, some of his chat was, was unreal. And, um, yeah, like it had started well, and I think you know Scotland clearly looked at what England did um, last week, and, and they did try and target them. And look, they got a lot of success in it, particularly um, in the second half. But it, it makes it difficult, like doesn't it? Because like the word from Marlin Camp this week was that you know a couple of the penalties last week should have actually went their way. But I think it's difficult even for supporters who are coming to the who are coming to the stadium to to watch the match because. Does anyone really know what's going on in the front row or, or what way it's going to go? Like, so we've seen, I think, one extreme last week against England. And then today, 
it looked like Ireland were more than holding their own early on, and then they kind of fell off in the second half. So uh, it's a tricky one, but I'd, I'd agree with Rod. I just you can't just invent another Andrew Porter and Ty Furlong, and you're talking about two like world leading props, but. It is. It is going to be a big, a bit of an issue, I think, because there's, there's no one that you're going to pluck out from, from anywhere. Like your Andy Farrell, it can only pick from, from the players that are available. So, um, I don't. I think he'll be mindful of it as well. But in, in some ways, his hands are tied, really, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, they left it late to get that four try bonus. Conor Murray just got it there at the end. But what about like that incident, uh, Rory, ten minutes into the second half when uh, Stuart Hogg first of all, I mean, had a run and try. I mean, if he passed in on the inside, Sam Johnson was over. And also then we had the Pierce Human. Should that have been a card? I think it was at least the yellow card. I mean, Wayne Barnes was so busy making friends with all the players that he almost <laughs> forgot to send any of them off. But like he made up for it at the end with that, with that yellow card before the try. But I mean, he kind of talked his way into it. And he kept asking the TMO, you know, are you agreeing with me here? And the TMO just kept, I'll just show you another angle. Like the TMO is going to step in there and, and, and if he thinks it is, because he clearly kept showing him angles for a reason. If he thinks it's a yellow card then he, or a red card, because it could have been a red card, Pierre Schumann was sent off in the RDS a couple of years ago for a very similar incident. Then he, he's got to talk him into it. He's got to show him and talk him, you know, talk him through the reasons why he's showing him, you know, drawing his attention to this incident. It looked like a piece of dangerous play. Um, the way he raised his elbows and forearms up to meet uh, Ian Henderson in the tackle was what looked to me like an act of foul play. It wasn't. And then, you know, it was followed up by the most Stuart Hogg thing we've ever seen. You know, sorry, it's not the most Stuart Hogg thing we've ever seen at the Viva Stadium because he did something similar two years ago here. Um, I mean, for a player, strong category. I mean, like, look, I mean, you don't want to be unfair to someone, but I mean, this is a captain who went out on, on the last last Saturday night when he was told not to. And got himself disciplined by the SRU, um, defied his coach, brought the, you know distribute, brought his whole squad into disrepute, um, and kept his place remarkably in some ways. Who gets through on a piece of brilliance? We all know he's a brilliant player. The chip and chase was brilliant. Gets one on one with Hugo Keenan and doesn't give the pass. He backed himself. It was selfish. And Hugo Keenan, who, if you were picking a Lions team tomorrow, he would be ahead of Stuart Hogg in, in it right now. He absolutely nailed him and put him into touch. It was a brilliant tackle. And it was just what Stuart Hogg deserved because he should have given that pass. And it's kind of just sums Scotland up as a team, you know, individually brilliant, mercurial, all these things. But they play quite well today in some patches. They caused Ireland loads of problems, but you just wouldn't trust them. And their discipline was really, really poor. And like Gregor Townsend must be so disappointed in his players. Like he stuck with some of them today when he probably was tempted to drop them. But, he, you know, he's only got two teams to pick from. Like, if I was a Scottish fan looking at that, you'd be so, so disappointed. You'd much rather be an Ireland fan today than a Scotland fan. Despite, you know, despite all the issues myself, Keane, have talked about here, you know, like, Ireland are in a really strong position trying to improve from it, where Scotland are still dealing with the same kind of discipline issues they were two years ago when they came to Dublin, and they look like a worse team. So, um, you know, that's probably why you're a bit disappointed Ireland didn't put them away better, you know. So, obviously, there's a bit of a waiting game now for the Ireland team. They're going to be glued to the TVs as well to see if England can do us a favour and uh, beat France. So, just your final thoughts, lads. I mean, triple crown overall, the Six Nations. How do you look back on it? Yeah, like, I, I, I think there's, like, plenty, like I said, it's a session. plenty of room for improvement. And the fact that, like, we are kind of picking holes out of uh, a performance that wasn't perfect, I think is a really good place for, for this Ireland team to be in. Um, I don't think anyone is going to get ahead of themselves that this was, you know, anything other than probably an 8 out of 10 performance. And, you know, they, they are going to need to, to up it over the next uh, 18 months when, you know, when, when the time comes. But 
it was amazing to see the scenes, I think, at full time. Um, we were at so many games here behind closed doors and it was just really grim and you wondered, you know, would it ever come back almost? But to see the players, like they had their kids out there, you saw a few partners out there, like this is what it's all about and you can see how much the crowd, like no one left the stadium, the crowd was still full for, for the Triple Crown Trophy presentation. So there's such goodwill behind this team and I think they are a really likeable team as well they seem like they have a really strong bond you saw James Ryan and Andrew Conway were the ones to, to lift the Triple Crown which was a really nice gesture I think because Johnny Sexton in particular has spoken about how much it would have meant to him to, to win silverware as Ireland captain and despite everything that he's achieved in his illustrious career so um, they're going to knock lumps out of each other like he said in his post-match interview for the next three months when they go back to their provinces and then they've got a massive tour to, to New Zealand. And as I was looking down there at full time, I was looking at, you know, the extra squad players. And so many guys within this wider squad didn't get game time in the Six Nations. Guys that like are seriously playing well for their provinces. I'm thinking of guys like Gavin Coombs, Robert Balakoon, Nick Timoney. Um, so I would imagine that going to New Zealand, Andy Farrell will probably dig a little deeper into his depth chart again. And we'll see more of these guys. And that's just going to add further depth to, to certain positions, which is a brilliant place to be in. Um, and like you said, a perfect way to end the Six Nations with, with the Triple Crown and fingers crossed maybe it, uh, England could do Ireland a favour later. I think Keen actually covered nearly everything there, Rory, but you've anything else to add? <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> um, I think you've got to think about the context of this team, right? So they come back from the World Cup of 2019, haven't been broken by that experience. they got a new coach and, you know, they lose in Twickenham and suddenly COVID comes, they get, everything gets shut down. They come out of COVID, they get beaten in Twickenham again. They go to Paris with the title on the line and they, they blow it. You know, they don't play well. The, the coach says that they've got mental frailties. He brings in Paul O'Connell. He brings in Gary Keegan for, for kind of, you know, for the kind of psychological support. And they, they're under pressure this time last year until they play the final game against England and they give a performance. But we don't know if it's a once-off. You know, summer, they don't get as many lines on the tour. There's players disappointed to be left behind, I'm sure. Suddenly we're on par with Scotland in terms of the number of lines that are going that's asking questions of where Irish rugby is at. You bring in that November, that November is so impressive. It sets expectations. And they may not have won in Paris, and they may not be playing as well as they were against New Zealand, but they've largely delivered on those expectations in terms of results, at least. They're, they're in a good place. They're not, in, they're not peaking. You know, we don't want them to peak in 2022. We want them to win silverware. We don't want to be a co- you know, having a coach like Wayne Peebach today saying, look, it doesn't matter, we lost Italy because it's all about the World Cup or, or Eddie Jones riding off another potential fifth-place playoff. Like, like they're winning silverware and they're beating good teams while also building towards something bigger. You know, everyone was guilty, I think, of getting carried away like what happened in 2018, but I don't think Ireland are at, a, at that point yet. There are issues about, you know, there are worries about Johnny Sexton's age profile. There's worries about Keane Healy's age profile. There's worries about the, the depth of front row. But there's also... Dan Sheehan coming out and being the man of the match in his first, you know, you know, scoring his first try in the Six Nations and being really, really good. There's a, there's a, an attack shape that's really, really incredible to watch. If nothing else, you know, if Ireland are going to go, go down, they're going to go down and pl- playing really good rugby. And even when they're playing within themselves a little bit and it's not working out like it did in the Twickenham last weekend and like it did today, they're finding a way, which is a good sign as well. I don't think anyone's getting carried away with them, but this has been a reasonably good campaign, a pretty good campaign. If they win the title, it'll go down as a very good campaign. Um, you don't, as I said, you don't want to peak in 2022. You want to peak next year, but you want to be t- picking up things along the way, and I think they're doing that. So it's, it's a good um, you know, a good re- return from, from a coach who was under pressure a year ago, 
it's a good return for this team and it's, it's a reason for people to go out and celebrate which they weren't able to do for two years and there's a lot to be said for that as well don't get carried away with it but just enjoy it I think it's, it's there to be enjoyed and there's reasons to enjoy it as well oh absolutely Rory and Keane great stuff thanks for that now we will see of course how the rest of the night uh, rolls out but for more reaction on this game and tonight's game later you can go to uh, independent.ie but for now bye for now